0: What's up, friends? And before we hop into the show, I got to tell you about the Green Solution, which has 17 Colorado locations and an express checkout to get you in and out as fast as possible. So get on your phone right now. Go to their website, mygreensolution.com. Order your flour, concentrates, edibles, and topicals online, and head to the closest Green Solution for pickup. And make sure you use that magical code DNVR20 for 20% off your entire purchase. Mace, let's hop into the show. it Welcome into the DNVR Broncos podcast on this magnificent Monday. I don't, I don't know if it's necessarily magnificent across Broncos country. Ac- oh, the sun is out. Yes, the sun did come up this morning <laughs> after seeing so much snow in Kansas City. And what's what else makes it magnificent is Mace. You made it home
1: through that snowstorm. Through the snowstorm, actually, the most harrowing part of it was driving from Dia to my house. Oh, in Denver. Yes, because after midnight. On Peña Boulevard and 225, seems to be the time for drag racing. Oh, no. And you're sitting there, and you're going 70. I mean, it's not like I'm going below (laughs) the speed limit. I'm 65 to 70, and you're getting past, like you're standing still from these cars that are going north of 100, weaving in and out of traffic. Oh, my goodness. I am amazed that there was not a fatality. On those Holy roads cow. last night, I was gripping the steering wheel to the point where my hand still hurts this morning. I'm just glad I'm home okay. Wow. So I throw, think about it. You've been to Kansas City, right? Yep. Okay, no, so, no, I've never been to Kansas City. All right. Kansas City Airport, relative to downtown, it's kind of like DIA. Okay. It is out there, it's halfway to Nebraska, basically. <laughs> so. That's a long drive to make in the snow. They haven't cleared the roads at all because I think they're waiting for the second burst of snow that they were supposed to get overnight Sunday into Monday. You just had to take it easy. But the good thing was the roads were so snowpacked that aside from people going out and going to the game on Sunday afternoon, people there just generally stayed inside. So I was able to get a nice barbecue dinner, didn't have to wait. Nice surprise because there you people go. were staying at home, and you just had to take it easy. It was a, a little bit of slipping and sliding. I didn't fishtail, so that's a good thing. Well, I'm, <laughs> but I'm glad I'm home. I'm, I'm really glad. I think everyone who was in Kansas City, including the Broncos, is glad they're home. It was, as you saw from television, just a miserable day. It, it was, and I'm sure the
0: Broncos are the most happy to be home, to get away from Kansas City, where... That place is just a nightmare for them. We're happy that you're Mm -hmm. back, Mace. And before I let you just unleash and unload all of the thoughts that you have built up in your mind, I got to tell you guys about our presenting sponsor, which is Strava Craft Coffee. As you guys know, this is delicious coffee, and it has all the benefits that come with CBD, all in a sip of coffee. Helps with aches, pains, migraines, uh, anything, headaches, any aches or pains or sores you have. It helps with, so make sure you check them out and use that magical code DNVR20 to receive 20% off when you do. And Estrava says, drink deeply, live fully. Mace, you're
1: living fully right now. I'm trying to. <laughs> the Broncos weren't living fully, although there were some moments. I thought uh, at times the defensive line, given all the injuries it is absorbed, was downright heroic. Sunday. I want to start positive. I want to start with Love it. Shelby Harris having a heck of a game. Yep. He's earning himself some money, isn't he? Yeah. And now the question is, is that money going to be here or somewhere else? And that's something that I'm sure we're going to get into over the course of future podcasts. I'm sure we get early in the off season. we might do a stay or go podcast. Yep. Now, it's not that you don't want Shelby Harris to stay. It's is he going to feel emboldened to test the market and see what he can get? Yep. Yesterday, by the way, credited by Pro Football Focus with four total pressures, the two sacks, and also two hurries, consider that uh, the rest of the Broncos accounted for just account for 12 total pressures. Von Miller credited with seven pressures, by the way. Mm. His final stat line, seven pressures, one sack, one hit, Five quarterback hurries. Yeah, he
0: he didn't have a bad day, did he? He had a very
1: good day. And I wonder if the quality of his play and the relative ineffectiveness of it for changing the team outcome is what led to him to, I wouldn't say snap, but be at wit's end about where things stand. And... The reason why I wrote the piece that I did, kind of step back from the ledge, is I wrote that a little bit as if I was writing to Von Miller and saying, look, there's a gleam here for the first time in a long time. Sometimes you've been in the darkness for just so long that when you see the light, you get a little bit deceived. You you say, okay, that can't be the light. I'm just going to remain in the darkness. You've just gotten adjusted to it. And I think, unfortunately, Von Miller has gotten adjusted to it, but now is reaching a point of frustration. I just want to tell him, hang in there. Mm -hmm. Because unlike 2017, unlike 2018, there's a path out of this. I'm not saying it's going to lead them back to the Super Bowl next year. But there's a path to the playoffs. I still think, by the way, even after yesterday, this team is a playoff team next year. By the way, one other thing I will say is that yesterday showed why I feel like my outlook is very logical here. Because there are some people, based on social media, who are jumping off the Drew Lock bandwagon Mm -hmm. after one rough game in the snow. And that's wrong. It's t- it's n- it's wrong. It's not only wrong. It's stupid. Yeah. It's short-sighted. Obtuse. Whatever negative adjective you want to apply to it, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. And that's why you didn't want to get up too high with a great performance. You don't want to get too low, low with yesterday. As I mentioned, there's a guy named John Elway who followed up a, an outstanding performance, two outstanding performances actually when he was a rookie going to Kansas City on what is the coldest day in Broncos history, that Week 16 game back in 1983, where I think the temperature, it was below zero, and I think the windshield was like minus 18 or something ridiculous like that. Colder than the Ravens game in in 2012? Yes. Wow. This was the coldest game in uh, Broncos history. I'm actually going back to look up the exact... uh, temperature in Kansas City on that day, there are some wonderful weather websites that allow you to go back and look up the conditions from decades past. So <laughs> we're going to go back <laughs> on Weather Underground to, let's see, 1983, December 18th, just under a Did month. Did you
0: know that date off of your off the top of your head? Yes. Wow.
1: <laughs> One week before Christmas. Yeah. Well, I... Figure out calendar dates in the fall Based on football season Mm, Because generally speaking I can figure out If Christmas was on a certain day Of the week and then I can Kind of go back accordingly and it was The last game of the season and the Broncos Actually played a playoff game on Christmas Eve The following week so yes December 18th 1983 in Kansas City Missouri Let's just Get the hourly temperatures here because Let's see Ooh. What are we looking at? At kickoff, it was minus one. Oh, boy. It stayed at zero throughout the day. Ten mile an hour wind from out of the northwest. And John struggled. John threw four interceptions. <laughs> the John Elway. Yes. The high temperature that day was two degrees. That was at midnight. Whew. Temperature remained Balmy. at or below zero throughout the day. How about that? See, the Baltimore game back in January of 2013, it was nine degrees. But the, po- but the point being, it's December, it's Kansas City, the weather sucked. And I don't want to say, oh, we'll use the weather as an excuse, but Noah Fant made a good point to me after the game. He said, in that snow, it was difficult to track the ball. And it got me thinking about something that ensured that the conditions worked against the Broncos far more than against the Chiefs. How so? The Broncos are still learning what kind of ball Drew Locke throws. It's not the case of Patrick Mahomes. He's been there a couple of years as a starter. He's been there three years. Some guys have been working with him in practice for nearly three seasons. Sammy Watkins, Travis Kelsey, they know what kind of ball Patrick Mahomes throws. They know where it's going to go. Broncos receivers, they're still learning that with Drew Locke, and they're not at that level, and... The other thing, of course, is that right now, Patrick Mahomes is a better passer than Drew Locke. Mm-hmm. Everything comes together. Mahomes was surgical. Drew Locke missed some throws he would have wanted. Pro Football Focus, by the way, credited him, credited the Broncos with five drops. That is a ton. It is. Five drops is as many drops as they had in the past five games combined. Woo heading into Sunday. That tells you. Mm-hmm. It tells you it was an anomaly. A right. game like that probably isn't going to happen again.
0: No, Mace, if, if, let's say they catch all of those, or they only have one drop in this game. Are the Broncos winning? Absolutely no. not. Are the Broncos covering the 10-point spread? No. Still, they're not doing that. But it kind of explains why Drew Locke had a sub-50 uh, b- completion percentage, and if most of those balls are cut, then it's above 50, and then the numbers aren't as bad.
1: Yeah, and also I will say this. If you have some of those passes that are caught, maybe you have another field goal or two or a touchdown on the scoreboard, perhaps Drew Locke doesn't feel like he needs to make something happen with that interception. That was a let's try something, let's make it happen. I've got confidence in my arm talent, but even that has limits it's across his body, across the field, read perfectly by the defender. Give credit to the Chiefs for knowing that Drew Locke can and will throw to any spot on the field, regardless of whether he's rolling left, rolling right. So, good job plastering in that case. And it was and just staying with no offense, knowing that the ball still might come his way, even though with. Joe Flacco, for example. The ball wouldn't go in that direction. Drew Locke has a little bit of a wider range to work with. So there are a few more demands in coverage for the defenders. Nice play on the Chiefs' behalf.
0: Yeah, it turned out it was a bad play call. It was a terrible decision by Drew Locke. And it was also poor execution. If you're going to throw that... Throw it where only Noah Fant can catch it, or it's going to be incomplete. Instead, it was a duck. It was a bad decision. And that is one that you can, rightfully so, mark off as a rookie mistake. And in Kansas City, now, the the one thing, uh, you really
1: don't want to see it in the end zone.
0: Yes. But that's probably where that play is going to be called.
1: Yeah, and the other thing with Drew Locke is it's a rookie mistake, but it's also a mistake he's made from time to time at Mizzou. Everything bad that we've seen on the film from Drew Locke in the last three games happened at various points, not just at some point, at various points in his four years at Mizzou. And thus, part of his development is he has to break some habits. And this is going to be one of them. The the desire to get the ball in and take a shot that has a minimal chance of success. There are some times for that, and I would argue being down 23-3, if you're going to try at any point, that's fine. But what happens if you try that when it's a 10-10 game? Right. And he's got to break those habits. That's why it's a little bit of a a project for Drew Locke. He has to unlearn some of what he has learned, some of what has been ingrained uh, to Use the parlance of Yoda. I knew I was going to use (laughs) a Yoda quote today. Or two. Because late last night as I fell asleep, I was watching uh, The Last Jedi to get ready for the new (laughs) Star Wars (laughs) film this week. Yoda pops in in The Last Jedi in his Force Ghost stage and tells Luke Skywalker, the greatest teacher failure is. (laughs) Sunday was a great teacher for Drew Locke, and I know people may have looked askance at me talking about how I wanted to see a rough day for him to see how he responds. Well, now we get that. Mm -hmm. He's had the failure in a game. Let's see how he replies next week when the Lions come in because they're going to try to do some things that the Chiefs did to contain Drew Locke, force him in throws that he doesn't want to make. Let's see how he reacts. Obviously, Detroit is not on the same level, but they'll try some things schematically. It's still an NFL team. They have uniforms and and everything. It's really great. (laughs) They're a bad team, but they're an NFL team. Yep. By the way, um, the other thing about that game, we'll get more into it over the course of the week. (sighs) Ah, man. Here we are. Four games into the Drew Lock era with the Broncos. Mm-hmm. The first three were against Philip Rivers, Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> yes, in this game, we're only four games into the Drew Lock era, and he's coming off the worst game of his brief career, but the Broncos have a clear and tangible advantage at the quarterback <laughs> position next Sunday. How about that? Because David Blau has been dreadful
0: He's since Thanksgiving. He's been he's been terrible. Now, Mace, do they have an advantage the following week in week seventeen against Derek Ooh, Carr?
1: Right I'm getting now, close to calling that even.
0: Coming off of what Drew Locke just did. I mean two second round quarterbacks going up against each other. I'm close to calling that even. By the way, did you catch any of the meltdown? Oh, watched it all unfold when we were recording this podcast yesterday. Thoughts. Oh, classic. It it was it was the classic way. They couldn't go for the, the Raiders, Raiders to go. In out. Oakland couldn't go out any other way, could they? No, absolutely not. And that's why I could very well see a scenario where the Raiders go out of the Oakland Raiders on their final game against Denver in a very similar fashion 2 weeks from now, just absolutely falling
1: apart. Yeah. I thought they'd win that game. We all picked the Raiders, right? Ryan
0: picked the Jaguars. Ah, contrarian. But he picked them with six and a half points, so (gasps) we won. Oh. Or no. What was the final score? Yeah, it was a four-point game, right? So we all lost. No, Ryan picked the Jags. Oh, okay. Yep. So Mace, you and I won, I think.
1: (laughs) 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 Who was favored in that game anyway? I don't remember. Jags, six and a half. Okay. Yeah, wow. (laughs) <laughs> I like it. I, I love this point spread thing this week. I also... And the Raiders lost. I believe I was the only person in this podcast to select... You were. You were. The Chiefs. You were. Not,
0: not, not only just to win, but to cover. And you were I didn't right. like doing it. Well, you were right. Let's talk about the offensive line. Oh. I thought
1: you said you were going to be positive. I started positive. <laughs> I got past that because we've been talking about Drew Lockwood, we've been talking about drop passes. Let's talk about the line because part of Drew Locke's struggle started up there. Mm-hmm. Now, no Ron Leary, no Jawan James. Jawan James was a comet that streaked across the cosmos briefly and then was not heard from <laughs> probably in the rest of 2019. But it wasn't just a rough day for Elijah Wilkinson and Austin Schlottman on the, the right side. Dalton Riser struggled too. Mm-hmm. Dalton does not appear to be the same player since he hurt his ankle. Looks like he's playing hurt right now. Yep, but he's playing. He's playing, and there's a lot of heart in what he's doing. Uh, credited by Pro Football Focus with three pressures allowed, including two hits of Drew Locke. Yep, not a deal. He's also a rookie. Right. So while Dalton Reisner, I think, is going to be a quality player for this team for a long time, it wasn't going to be perfect the first time out for S-
0: Especially in these final four right. games. You see it with great players on the Broncos, with any team. Their rookie season, they hit that rookie wall. And during the season, all of them want to admit it's not real. After the season, they quietly admit, yeah, that was real.
1: Well, most of them do. Noah Fant looks like he's pushing through the rookie wall. Mm-hmm. He does. By the way, they need to get him the ball more. He needs to stay healthy. It's
0: it's every. We well, got back out there. Yeah, but, but I I think that just hurts the the timing with him and Drew with with him getting into a flow.
2: Even,
0: it's not it's not his fault. I'm just saying that that's hindered him the past. But doesn't couple weeks. he need to be
1: targeted more than three times? Absolutely, absolutely. Portland I mean, Sutton nine targets. Tim Patrick seven. Deshaun Hamilton eight targets. Crazy. What
0: did the Chiefs do yesterday? They went to Tyree Kill for big plays. It's not It's not that they're going to their playmakers every single time, but big plays, they hit Tyreek Hill, mm-hmm. and uh, they're going to Travis Kelsey early, often, all the time. Noah Fant needs to be used like that. It, it, you drafted him in the first round because you needed a weapon. You wanted him to be George Kittle. You wanted him to be... Travis Kelsey, I know he's a rookie, and he's not on those guys' levels yet, but Mace, yesterday, George Kittle had 13 catches for 135 yards. Travis Kelsey destroyed the Broncos in every single way. That's
1: You don't draft a tight end in the first round to have him be to three targets. The emphasis on your top two targets. I want to get into that. Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill were targeted a combined 19 times. That'll do. In the game. And that is five more than the rest of the team.
0: Hmm. All put together. Can you tell me how many times Cortland Sutton and Noah Fant were targeted together? Combined 12. Yeah, so nearly doubled them up.
1: Yeah. 12 times. Not acceptable. Especially when the Chiefs have more weapons in their other pieces. Noah Fant is your second best target right now. Yeah. Does Tim Patrick change what a defense is doing? No. no. Deshaun Hamilton? No. Certainly not. Cortland Sutton does. Noah Fant is starting to. As he shows this continued explosive threat to turn a medium range play into a game breaking play. It's what he showed at Iowa. If anyone who watched him at Iowa saw this capability, I loved the fourth and one call, Tim. It's a You know, on a rough day for Drew Locke, a great throw. But watch what Noah Fant does. Starts by selling the block. Yep. And then peels off in single coverage, has two steps.
0: That was their best offensive play by far. Oh, my goodness. Everything about it. The call, the execution, the outcome. Noah Fant is worthy of your trust.
1: (laughs) Especially on plays like that. Yeah, he... He's having an all time rookie season, you know, relative to the tight end position. I yep. mean, he's not number one, but it's the best rookie season for a tight end in Broncos history by far. And it's working its way into the top ten. And if he can stay healthy and do a bit more down the stretch here in these last two games, could be a top five all time rookie season for a tight
0: end. How about that? So maybe you have that. You have Cortland Sutton who with two games left. Has eclipsed 1,000 yards receiving on the season. And has done so
1: despite cycling through three different quarterbacks. Right. Joe Flacco, Brandon Allen, and now Drew Locke. Instability at the quarterback position. Ineffectiveness overall on in offense. And Cortland Sutton. If you can succeed with that, <laughs> All right. you've got something special. It reminds me a little bit of how, in 2011, Demarius Thomas His breakthrough happened with Tim Tebow, which is why all the notions of Demarius being a product of Peyton Manning were farcical. Mm -hmm. He showed greatness with a 46% passer firing it to him. (laughs) Cortland Sutton has shown greatness, shown himself to be a true wide receiver one, and not every team has a wide receiver one. No, There's a... 14 or 15 of those, Yep, league-wide. The Broncos have one now with Cortland Sutton. And he's shown it with a carousel of quarterbacks. He's legit. And the future of the Broncos' passing game rests in as, as much in the hands of Cortland Sutton and Noah Fant as it does the quarterback, Drew Locke.
0: Man, if Drew Locke is the dude, this young core that the Broncos have all across the offense, including the offensive line with Reisner and potentially McGovern as a solid piece is exciting. But Mace, I have a question for you. Uh-huh. Those two guys were targeted 30% of Drew's dropbacks combined. Mm-hmm. Who's that on? Is that on Rich Gangrello? Is that on Drew Locke? Who gets the primary blame for that?
1: Well, Noah Fant, you may look at the fact that he was injured and say, okay, it's uh limited the amount of plays that he had in the game. And so perhaps something could be based on that. But still, when he's out there, he needs to get the ball a little bit more. Some of it is play design. Some of it is looking for the dump-off option, you know, Deshaun Hamilton, for example. But that's something I think in the last two weeks, if Noah fan is healthy, I want to see change. I think, for now, you need to treat Noah Fant like he's your wide receiver, too, even though his position says tight end, and get him the ball accordingly. Target him in a manner that befits being the number two target behind Cortland Sutton. Yep. And that may be what you have to do next year as well. Because it is a deep wide receiver class, but sometimes, as we see even with Cortland Sutton, it takes a year or so before... You really know what that wide receiver is. So it's possible next year that Cortland Sutton, he's your number one option, then Noah Fancy number two, and you're trying to develop that wide receiver two, wide receiver three. I think Sutton and Deshaun Hamilton can be good depth pieces. I look at them, and I think those guys are wide receiver three to five. They're still in the room. They're still getting out there from time to time. But... They're missing a wide receiver, too, and they're still missing a productive slot guy. You were hoping Deshaun Hamilton could become that, but it's not clicking. So who's it on to change that next week, two weeks, next year? It's on Rich Gangarello because one thing about this offense and the way it's designed is that when you get the quarterback rolling out, with the rare exception of when Drew Locke is going to throw cross field as he did on the interception. You're limiting his range a little bit. You're trying to kind of get the ideal matchup and get the defense off guard, but sometimes you're limiting the scope of possibilities, whereas if you're just running shotgun and standing back there in the pocket, you have, in, in some other schemes, you have kind of the full plethora of targets available to you. You can go through your progressions. One thing this offense does when it's working, it sort of narrows the progressions down to one, two, maybe three, rather than going as deep as four and five. So I think what you have to do then is make sure those progressions, one, two, and three, are Cortland Sutton, Noah Fant, and then insert third target here. Maybe it's Phillip Lindsay. Right. Maybe sometimes it's Deshaun. Maybe sometimes it's Tim Patrick. And I agree that that, that's on Skangs because he,
0: he needs to help the young guy out by making him look at his top targets first and second before then going on to a safe check down third type of option. I, I I completely agree with you there. And Mace, it's very interesting because in just one week, we were praising Drew Locke, rightfully so, for connecting with 10 different targets last week. That was awesome. He was making Deshaun better. He was finding Jeff Heyerman. To make plays. He was hitting every single person, not just locking on to those top targets. And that's commendable. Yeah, exactly. That that's very commendable. But at some point, you gotta still go to the best targets. And so I think that is on Rich to say Drew is going to be able to go to one, two, and three. He's gonna hit all of those three. Let's just make sure those top guys are are up there for ninety percent of the plays. And they give him the best chance to succeed. Yeah, and they they give Drew the best right. the best chance of
1: looking good. Yes, absolutely. He's going to look better than the quarterback next week, though. <laughs> By the way, do we yes. see Kyle Slaughter next week? Oh,
0: my goodness. Well, I just saw the Panthers aren't committing to who they're starting until Wednesday. Maybe the Detroit Lions do that, too. I should take a look and see what kind of mentions there are for Kyle Slaughter. Is Kyle Slaughter the backup? Yes. Oh, my goodness. And yeah, he was in uniform. Oh, my. Mace.
1: Number one in your scorecard, number one in your heart.
0: Mace, what if Kyle Sloder does play, and he just outduels duels oh! Locke? <laughs> I don't know if I could handle that. Well, there is the
1: small part of me that wants to watch the world burn.
0: <laughs> if you want Broncos country to burn, yesterday was not it. But it would be after this. I don't really want to <laughs> see that, no. Oh, my goodness. Boy, John's probably going to have to give a call to uh, to Matt Patricia and say, hey, man, you know, you may want to do the best thing for Kyle Sloter, and that's not play him <laughs> because he'll just get torched if he's out there. Just, just the exact same message that I gave him before we cut him.
1: Oh. <laughs> Wouldn't that be hilarious? Oh,
0: my gosh. Welcome to the Kyle Sloter week. How about that?
1: By the way, what's interesting, uh, Drew Locke and uh, David Blau, you have to think of it, it rhymes with when the bow breaks. So when when the Blau breaks, the Blow has been breaking in the last two games after throwing two touchdowns, one pick against the Bears, the last two games, one touchdown, four picks. Yeah, that won't do. No, not good at all. Dreadful.
0: That's what the that's what the lines are. And that's why this week should be a huge bounce back week. And if it is and then the Broncos are 3-1 and one under Drew Locke. They bounced back. Drew bounced back. Everything's good in the world. you are forget about this week. You'll have a happy holidays next week. And you did
1: get the road win over Houston. So you went on the road for a couple of games, and you did see evidence that Drew Locke can go and play well on the road. You got a split from those two games. Honestly, I feel good about where Drew Locke stands right now. Now we get the test of him responding to adversity. As the Emperor in Star Wars would say, Emperor Palpatine. Everything is proceeding as I have foreseen. <laughs> That's a terrible impression, <laughs> I know.
0: That was perfect. I felt like I was looking
1: at him and horrified. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna shoot some <laughs> lightning at you right now. <laughs> Unlimited power. <laughs> Yeah, there's going to be a lot of Star Wars references this week. Sorry, everybody. I can't wait. I this can't wait. This is Star Wars week. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: And Mace, boy, after that game is when you have the most optimism about Drew Locke. You're killing me. You're killing me. After the snow game? <laughs>
1: yeah. See? This is why you have to have the ability to take a step back and see the bigger picture. Now... I think this is probably where not growing up a Bronco fan really helps me a little bit Mm -hmm. because I can step back and step away from the fray and take a a view from 35,000 feet and not be clouded by emotion. It helps good and bad. Last week, I was the negative Nelly, (laughs) the naysayer, the one who was being chided to jump on board. (laughs) Now, people may think I'm a little bit too positive but i'm I'm staying on an even keel and I think if you now if you felt strongly and on a positive way about Drew Locke before yesterday and you still feel that way, great. If you let yesterday's game affect you negatively in terms of his development, that's where you're getting this whole thing wrong. I agree.
0: I completely agree. And Mace, it just your, your positivity feels like you've been dipping into the Breckenridge beer a little bit on this Monday morning. I know you haven't been. You've been hitting that Strava craft coffee, but boy, I did see Christmas Ale
1: in Kansas. There City. There we
0: go. And boy, let me tell you, yesterday was a perfect day in Kansas City for a hot peak brew because it packs a punch it's got that that mountain feel to it that cold weather feel to it it is perfect for a day like today in denver where we're dealing with highs in the low 30s it's cold you need something that's going to warm you up and hot peak does it in a very refreshing tasteful way so make sure you check out hop peak it is so delicious and perfect For this holiday season, great thing to pick up on your way over to some family parties this weekend and next week during this holiday season. So make sure you check out Hot Peak. Grab yourself a sample pack of Breckenridge Brewery, which has then you can taste everything. You can show your friends and family the delicious world of Breckenridge Brewery. And Mace, let's talk to the people on the other side of this break
2: And helping me find something I'm looking for. What are you waiting for? Head to either of their locations in Centennial or Highlands Ranch and follow them on Facebook to stay up to date on their latest specials.
0: Welcome back into the DNVR Broncos podcast. I'm Zach Stevens, joined by my main man, Andrew Mason. And of course, this podcast is presented by Strava Craft Coffee. Mace, what do the people have to say today?
1: Well, let's start with Alaska Preston. The phrase women and children first means something very different for Tyreek Hill. The cognitive dissonance was on full display on Chiefs Twitter today. A whole load of people defending the Chiefs and their culture tooth and nail all the while unable to acknowledge any of what Hill has done. Honestly, I would feel a little bad for that fan base since they've kind of been forced to just accept Hill due to management being unable to properly deal with him. But those fans have just managed to reach a level of unbearable I thought was reserved solely for Pats fans. Growing up, the Broncos were always the good guys, and I'm grateful that even though these last few years have been rough, the organization hasn't sold its soul and brought on and then protected criminals. My question for you today is this. In all of Broncos history, who is the biggest bad guy? Is there someone buried in the history books that younger fans may not know about? My guess is our worst is Bill Romanowski, even though he was always a dirty raider at heart. Sorry for the long one today. Thanks for all that you three do, both in providing excellent coverage as well as always knowing how to get the DNVR fam out of a funk. Here's hoping that Sad Vaughn is just a flash in the pan and not a new persona. Well, I would advise you to look up the story of Clarence K., a Broncos tight end back in the 1980s who uh, was basically in and out of jail, in and out of arrests, uh, for so long, and even has had trouble after his career. Not a good human being, and while while Tyree Hill being in the league, he's a reprehensible person, no doubt, but nobody is swimming in ivory liquid when it comes to not having players of certain questionable moral character over the course of the years. The Broncos. Some people have uh, pointed out about Alexander Johnson. Now he was acquitted, but he was charged with rape, and that's why he didn't go to the NFL for a few years because he was on—he tr- was dealing with all the legal fallout. He was on trial, and I would say this: um, the, the 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 game of Bashing other teams for questioning, for bringing players of questionable moral character—that's not a game you want to play because everybody has done that at some point in their histories. And do do you no like no clean?
0: Do you like it as a fan? Do you like it as someone that covers the team that covers the league? Absolutely not. But Mace, I, I think that's well said because that's just the truth. Is and and it's it's sickening that that it's the truth, but. And just because every team does it absolutely does not mean it's right to, to have questionable people on your team. But I, I agree with you. Mace, Tyreek Hill, I wouldn't have him on my team. I would be disgusted to be around him. But, and and again, it doesn't make it right. It, it, every team has or has
1: had some questionable people in their organization. I'll tell you a story from my Panther days because I think it's apt. When I was interviewing out there in the spring of 2008, One of their executives told me that we are focusing on character right now. We would rather take the chance on the good guy being able to flip a switch on Sunday and be the bad MF rather than taking the guy who was just that bad MF in general and hoping that he could kind of keep his nose clean away from the football field. Now, you can kind of understand why they felt that way at the time, Because Ray Carruth literally murdered his ex-girlfriend who was pregnant with his child. Wow. He put a contract out for the murder of of her. And so for, for a while, that shocked them kind of back into emphasizing character. But then you struggle and you get away from that, and a decade passes and you start realizing, okay, well, maybe we got to pick a different kind of guy. We need a little bit of fire. And so with us in the sixth round of the 2010 draft, they picked Greg Hardy. Right. And we saw what kind of person he was. So it's like you can go down that path for a while of saying, okay, we want to have you know, good people, good human beings, this and that. But then elements in the building will say, hey, we got to— We got to toughen up. We got to have a little fire. Maybe we got to take a little bit of a chance on this uber athletic, uber talented, high motor guy who can't stay out of trouble. It's the NFL.
0: Yep. Mace, I. I, It's not pretty at times. When I was with the Browns, I scouted some some players that uh, were going to be free agents, but I was watching their college film. So I'd go back a little bit. Greg Hardy was the best player I ever watched. Yeah. He was
1: unbelievable. And he, but he was not on a lot of teams' boards. Yep, because of the character. Just, a, period. Exactly. Not just had the red flag, the red, the, whatever, the X, whatever team a team uses, had it had it next to his name. But
0: teams, just like Tyreek Hill, he had the huge concerns coming out. Mm-hmm. Teams can't stay away from the talent.
1: It's only it only-, it only takes one team, right? Yep. Exactly.
0: Exactly. Next one coming in from homegrown30. Good day. I want to start with saying, if anything, Drew Locke showed that he is even more the guy with this performance against KC. While he was getting absolutely no help from the right side of his offensive line receivers and running backs, with the interception being the low point, he seemed to improve as the game continued. There seemed to be more accurate passes after the turnover and better handling of the ball by him. With that kind of poise and hoping the team can pull it together these last two weeks, how can you not commit to him for at least next season? There is there is a lot of learning still going on on the offensive side of the ball, and it will help him to have the entire offseason to improve. Maybe I'm being a little too optimistic, or I was just sleep-deprived because of my 3 a.m. <laughs> kickoff, but my ticket is punched for the Drew Locke Express. Thanks for all the great coverage and all of the great work.
1: I salute the optimism there. Still want to step back and see the five games, but... There were a couple of passes throwing through the snow. The ball really whistled. It was a bullet. Yep. The wind was only occasionally a factor, it was mainly the snow, but did a good job firing it through. There were some things to like when you step back from the numbers in production. There were some things to like about his persistence and also the fact that he, you know, he got knocked down, kept getting back up. There was one play where Elijah Wilkinson just got destroyed. And I'll credit Elijah for being the first guy to run back there and
0: <laughs> offer
1: his hand and help Drew out of the snow. It's the least
0: he could have done. Yes. Mace going into this week, I was 95% confident that Drew Locke was the guy. Mm-hmm. You know what percentage I'm at after Sunday? 99. 95? Okay. I, I I can't I can't be more encouraged after that game, but you're not discouraged. I, I, I'm, not, so I'm not discouraged key. one second yeah. because I expected, I didn't know if it was going to be the Houston game, if it was going to be the Kansas City game. I expected Drew Locke to have at least one dud game of these five, and that's totally acceptable for really any quarterback, especially a rookie, in his first five starts, that was his dud. Now, if he comes out and has a dud against this bad Lions team, and then it's back-to-back, and then Mace, we got to see how he responds, and it wasn't a good response, okay, then that percentage is certainly going to go down. But right now, my mind on Drew Locke has not changed one bit. Right. This game is the
1: key game right here. Exactly. How he replies and what Detroit throws at him, and if he does well, I think you'll feel pretty good. The original Mario. Hey, boys, I don't know what we were really expecting from that game. Everyone's always optimistic when we play the Chiefs, mm-hmm. but we just got to face it. They own us, at least for the past four years. I'm not really impressed with the run game recently, but I'll give them the benefit of the doubt because the O-line sucks. Mm-hmm. If the run game continues to be a problem, I'd look at turning either Phil or Royce into a receiving back or get one in the offseason for Drew. Now my question, what's a more productive duel for wide receiver, double power big or double speed receiver? I'm still and always will be a believer in Drew. You know what? I don't know which of those is more productive. I know neither is ideal. I want one guy that's (laughs) power and big, and I want one guy with speed. Right now, what the Broncos are missing is speed. I think you're seeing some limits of the double power big receivers, one and two, when you've got Tim Patrick and Cortland Sutton as your top two receivers. Mace, could you imagine what Tyreek
0: Hill and Cortland Sutton receiving duo would be like?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's insane. I think that's that's why there are some people that say, boy, I'd love to see Odell Beckham Jr. here in Denver if he doesn't want to be in Cleveland. I just think the price is going to be too high, and this is a moment draft-wise where, shoot, I mean, we talk about going receiver on day two. You You'd go for two receivers on day two if you hang on all your picks. Two in the third round, one in the second, one in the third, any, any kind of combination you want. Dan Burke suggests in his response, I know we don't normally read the responses, He suggests Le'Veon Bell. The Jets are willing to move away from him. Munchak has familiarity with him from Pittsburgh, one of the best pass-blocking backs in football, and obviously an excellent receiver. This offense needs its backs to be good receivers, and while Phil and Royce are capable, there's no real consistency there. With Bell, you're getting a much better version of Theo Riddick. Not sure what they'd ask for, but I'm interested if it's a day three pick. If it's a day three pick, Le'Veon Bell, sign me up. Sign me up up for that right now. No offense to Phil and Royce, but he changed what you can do. And again, when you've got the cost-controlled quarterback, you know, if there's a drinking game for this podcast, (laughs) there's probably people taking a shot when I say cost-controlled quarterback. (laughs) When you have that guy, you can afford to bring in a big money running back. That said, if it's not possible, Theo Riddick, re-sign him.
0: (laughs) He should be even cheaper, than the 2500000 million you're giving him this year. Yeah, I'm okay with that too. Uh, Man, I typically wouldn't want the high-paid running back in this situation, but boy, if it really costs you just a day three pick and uh, you have $85 million in cap space. Now, what's going on with him this year? I know the Jets are, are awful, but it's not like he'd be necessarily coming to a much better situation where the line is fortified and he can run free. He he wouldn't be. He'd be rejoining Mike Munchak. Maybe that would help a bit. But he hasn't necessarily been lighting the of league course, on fire this year. What if
1: Mike Munchak doesn't like Le'Veon Bell?
0: Then you don't touch Le'Veon Bell. I and trust. I trust whatever Mike says.
1: M- Mike Munchak. I don't know how he feels about Le'Veon Bell. I mean, mm-hmm. he's obviously seen greatness, but he's also seen him in the locker room and he's seen what kind of presence he is. He knows him better than anyone else, right? Right. So it's possible that could look at. Le'Veon Bell and say, mm-hmm,
0: eh, not my kind of guy. But here's the thing. Let's say they do trade for him. Then you know he has the Mike M- You would really hope he has the Mike Munchak stamp of approval. Yes.
1: By the way, I'm sure I'll get flack for this because I know after Monte Ball, there are a lot of Bronco fans that don't want another <laughs> Wisconsin back. But if you've taken care of all your other shopping needs, and in round two, top of round two, Jonathan Taylor sitting there, mm-hmm, eh, think about it.
0: <laughs> Isn't he the First player ever to have back-to-back 1,900-yard seasons. I believe so. Wild, and he can catch the ball. Well, is would John Owe look at him and not only say, "I've tried that with a with a Wisconsin back," but he
1: would say, "It's the Alabama syndrome. He's worn down." Perhaps, but. Uh... Taylor be coming out a year earlier than Monte Ball did, I believe. He'd have a little less wear on his tires. Okay, there you
0: go. Next one from Lasagna Lance. I was feeling pretty relaxed today until you laid out the future of this team and more specifically this
1: offense. Now I'm stressed and feeling hopeless. What happened? Again, I haven't heard your podcast yesterday. So what did you guys say that took Lasagna Lance to this pit of misery? I have no idea. <laughs> I I have no idea. Was RK going on about how in this scheme it's all limited anyway? The head? Yes, yeah. Okay, it there it, you go. it was right, it was it, was
0: it was all about the scheme. Sorry, when when you said the future and everything, I was thinking the young pieces and I th- there's a lot of young pieces, but yeah, it's it's the limits of the scheme that that he really laid out and stressed on and said, "This isn't going to get better until the scheme is fixed."
1: <sighs> and will they fix it? The problem is you have to admit the scheme is a problem. And that's not, I think, the way the Broncos are going. They think the scheme is the solution. Run, Phil, run. I would say the biggest concern is the lack of running game in the last two weeks. It was covered up last week by Locke's performance, but we couldn't run much at all against Houston. That trend continued into the Chiefs game. Has Reisner hit the rookie wall? Kind of allude to that, yes. Is Schlotman the problem? He's not the solution. Right. How can we fix this problem so Phil can hit 1,000 yards? Well, getting Phil to 1,000 yards— at some point he's gotta find a way to break it open on his own because he's gonna need a a chunk run or two there. It would help to get Ron Leary back. Not a good sign that he was in the concussion protocol for a, a second consecutive week last week. Juwan James, I, I don't think we're gonna see him. He wasn't out there for practice last week at all. No.
0: I don't think I don't think we're seeing Juwan.
1: Yeah, the, the offensive line had depth issues anyway, so you had to take that into account. Right now, Philip Lindsay is on
0: pace to just miss. Well, if, if you take his last three games mm-hmm. and say that's what he does in the final two games, he's, he's on pace to just miss 1,000 yards by like six yards.
1: What is he on pace for if he you take his season-long
0: pace? The season-long pace, he would be on pace for 970 yards. Okay, 970. How important is that to you, Mace, of players, now that you're officially eliminated from the playoffs, now that you're officially going to have a losing season, how important is that for you as an analyst? Put the fan cap on and also put the coach cap on. Put Vic Fangio's hat on. How important is it for, now you don't have to worry about Cortland Sutton getting 1,000 because he did that, but
1: the next big one is Philip Lindsay. How important is that? I think it's important for the locker room. Hmm. Um. remember a couple of years ago when the season was lost and they kept feeding C.J. Anderson until he got his 1,000. I, I th- hated it. I know you did, but you'd, sometimes you do those things to make sure that everybody knows that if you're close to something, we'll do whatever it takes to get it. I think where they failed that game was not getting the ball to Demarius Thomas more. Hmm. Yep. I think they should have. You fed him the way they fed CJ that day instead of spreading it around in the passing game. You know Phil's a popular guy in the locker room too.. Mm-hmm. So is this Vic, Vic
0: done, has done a few things this year that yes, he he's hard he kind of has the the mindset of work hard, play hard and he's given the guys last week he gave them an extra day off. Mm-hmm. He given gave them many days off during training camp which weren't scheduled. Uh, this could be something to, to get on the player's side to show, yes, I care about
1: you guys. My nickel's worth of free advice to Vic Fangio is, over the course of the next two games, feed Phil enough to get him a 1,000. <sighs> get it naturally. Get it naturally. That's fine. I get where you're coming from. And it's,
0: it's easier to, yeah, to say that and get behind that cause with Phil— uh, other than Siege, I don't know. Phil's just but guy. But here's what you
1: do it's breaking down on the interior, right? The Broncos are pretty good blocking on the outside. Deshaun mm-hmm. Hamilton yep. is a good blocking wide receiver. Yep. So let me tell you what I'm getting at some RPOs, some pitch outs, not passes, pitch outs. Right. So you're going lateral or back, out wide. This is going against the scheme, by the way, but that's <laughs> neither here nor there. And take advantage of the fact that with Cortland Sutton, Deshaun Hamilton, Tim Patrick, and even Noah Fant is doing better blocking in space, you actually have the ability to win more matchups there and set up some more explosive runs there than you do going between the tackles. Get some explosive runs that way and get Phil to his thousand.
0: The Broncos don't have a single 100-yard game combined, not just with one rusher, in the past four games. So the Drew Locke era has collectively been been met very kind on the offensive side of the ball, but not in the running game.
1: Yeah. Dexter, this game really highlighted the weaknesses of the Broncos roster. Now we lean on the guidance of you, Mace, as this fits into your master plan you laid out all last <laughs> week. Well, thank you. I'll try to stay on the level, try to stay on an even keel. Feed Phil, get him his thousand. <laughs> oh. <laughs> get the ball to your playmakers, Cortland Sutton and Noah Fant. Boy, I hope Noah Fant is available next week. He was having an MRI Monday morning yeah. on the shoulder. He thought it would be okay. Of course, he came back in the game. You know, there was a false narrative out there that said Noah Fant wasn't tough. The fact that he's playing through all these infirmities I think shows that narrative to be complete. Grade A. Ball plop! <laughs> I would agree. So get the ball to your playmakers, but know this. Offensive line is an area that you have to work on both starting lineup in terms and depth as well. Defensive line, you're going to have... I think that's going to work itself out fine over the off season, based on who you re-sign, what you end up doing there. This is a temporary moment. It was... Gosh, I, I can't recall a moment, a, a, a game in which a team was without so many defensive linemen. Kind of all of a sudden, Yeah. all hitting. You know, yep. Demarcus Walker injured in practice. Yep. No Adam Gotsis, Kyle Pekka was Peck- also injured in, in practice. Yeah, it just what what the hell happened on Wednesday? <laughs> <laughs> they must have put the pads Holy on. Holy guacamole! <laughs> <laughs>
0: Wow, it was it was quite the Wednesday practice. I mean, Next, it was like that uh,
1: practice a few years ago where I think uh, you had, you know, Rod Smith trying to come back, but uh, he he couldn't go with the hip and then Jarvis Moss was lost for the year. it more than a few years ago. This was back in 07 brutal day or like the practice last year Emmanuel Sanders towards Achilles
0: yeah oh boy let's hope that doesn't happen the rest yeah, of the season f- hope that doesn't happen at all next one from Lone Star Bronco how good is Austin Jackson is it worth going CD Lamb round one then trading back into the first for Tyler Biotish at center then trying to land Austin Jackson in the third Janoris Jenkins on waivers what's our waiver order when do waivers go through how do waivers work go worse in the first trade back for Tyler B and take A- Austin Jackson O-line was bad insert Rob Schneider Oh,
1: no, we stuck again from Waterboy. Austin Jackson's kind of raw, though. I know there are some that are big fans of him. There have been a couple of times I've watched him. I've had a Garrett Bowles flashback. Oh, oh, oh. You've said enough. Sorry. I want to stay away. This will be an interesting debate in the offseason. Austin Jackson, he will go higher than the third round. Yep. Somebody's going to roll the dice on him. I am more interested in this Broncos offensive line bringing in guys who are closer to finished products. I agree. Early in those first couple of rounds. Dalton Reisner, he is hitting the rookie wall, but he's still a a valuable part of this line going forward. I want players that are plug-and-play Austin those first couple of rounds. I don't think Austin Jackson's plug-and-play.
0: Austin Jackson's going to be late first round. Yes. He's going to go 30-31-32. So that's your first-round pick right there if And you want him. if
1: they trade back into round one to get an offensive lineman, I would rather have the plug-and-play center, Tyler Biotish from Wisconsin, yep. than Austin Jackson, someone that I'm probably waiting a year on. Completely agree. Just my take. Dan Burke, not disheartened about the loss. The Chiefs defense is doing that to everyone right now and has been tough all year at home. Not to mention the Broncos are missing several starters, and the Chiefs are mostly healthy. It is what it is. If I'm the Broncos, I have a pretty good idea of what to target in the offseason. I'm going heavy on receiver and O-line in the draft, and then targeting defense, but specifically corner and D-line in free agency. A really intriguing free agent option at D-line to keep an eye on is Jason, it Javon Hargrave from the Steelers. He's really come on as a pass rusher now. I think he'd be a great option to replace Shelby Harris, who I've heard conflicting things about him as far as how much he likes playing under Fangio. Let's say they re-sign Simmons, McGovern, Wolfen, and Parks, and they pick up James Bradbury, Randall Cobb, and Javon Hargrave in free agency. And then going to the draft focusing on the offensive line receiver. Would you all be happy with that? I'd be happy. I'd be happier with Chris Jones instead of Hargrave.
0: Yeah. I mean, that that's, that's a, my dream there. that's a pretty solid plan. That's yeah. a big offseason, too. You're
1: making moves. You're thinking Drews is a guy. But also, you've got some he mentioned uh Connor McGovern coming back. Mmm. Still probably You're going to lose Leary, probably still need one more offensive lineman. You can get that maybe from the draft, but one thing the Broncos would like to do, you always want to have a starting 22 that you can ride with going into the draft, and then you don't lock yourself into picking one position, the Broncos. And right. that means the Broncos could look not only at re-signing McGovern, but also adding at least one kind of swing guy, depth guy on the offensive line to make sure they're covered and if they have to start him, they do. Just take the $9 million that you've been paying Leary and go give it to another guard? Perhaps, or you kind of wait for the second wave. You see uh, uh, what players are out there. Maybe you're looking for a one- to two-year type of solution. So you're looking for another Connor McGovern? No, you're looking for maybe a, an Andrew Whitworth of the interior. I'd like that. An older guy who's, again, got a couple of years left. I'd like that a lot. Then you can use a fourth
0: on a guard to develop him for a year or you two. You remember,
1: this is going way back, remember Casey Wigman? Mm -hmm. that's the sort of guy you'd love to find on the market. Someone who can give you a couple of years at the end of his career, bring some maturity, some leadership to that.
0: Yep, yep. I like that. Next one from Bronco Matt. Guys, this is the most defeated as a Broncos fan I've felt, period. That's so funny coming from the the comment before saying I'm not worried at all. I know we had slight hope with Locke. I do not think Locke is the guy, and here's why. With this organization in front office, any quarterback would not be the guy. It's a system that simply won't be successful in the modern-day NFL. Ryan, you laid it out perfectly. We won't stand a chance against the Chiefs for at least 10 years. I think as a fan, we need to come to the terms. The glory days of the Broncos are over, and we will be bottom-feeding team fighting for spaces such as a wild-card spot. Unless... Elway can catch up with the times. The world of suck will be our closest companion for years to come.
1: What happened to Ryan (laughs) yesterday? (laughs) Good gravy. He doesn't believe in the scheme. Man, schemes change. Look, if this offense struggles next year, scheme gone, starting over again. The other thing is this scheme, this scheme is working pretty well in San Francisco, is it not? Mm -hmm. Even though they lost Sunday? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. It's working pretty well in Minnesota, is it not? Mm Mm-hmm. It's worked reasonably well with the Rams, has it not? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: Ryan's point was for the Broncos, who had John Elway. They had to have a Hall of Fame running back, a Hall of Fame tight end, borderline Hall of Fame receivers, and so much talent on that defense for the scheme to have the ultimate success.
1: Okay. Did the scheme help in developing those players, though? What was Rod Smith? He was an undrafted practice squad guy when Mike Shanahan, Gary Kubiak, and Mike Heimerdinger walked back into that building. Mm -hmm. What was Terrell Davis? He was a late round pick. Yeah, he's a special teamer. What was Ed McCaffrey? He was, what, the number three, number four receiver in New York before he came to Denver?
0: He was, uh, when he was with the 49ers, he was contemplating going to law school. Right,
1: yeah, because he was drafted by the Giants and then he went to the Niners. That's right. Okay. So did the scheme make them to some degree? Shannon Sharp is the only, and John Elway were the pieces that were already there. Yeah, Hall of Fame tight end, Hall of Fame quarterback. I get that. But... Tell me, where are the Hall of Famers on San Francisco's offense right now? George Kittle. Yep. Yep, tight end. Could Noah Fant be doing in two years what George Kittle is doing right now? Absolutely. A first-round pick
0: compared to a third?
1: Absolutely. He had a better rookie. Noah Fant had a better rookie season than George Kittle did. Yep. Yep. Keep that in okay. mind. Okay. I mean. So here we this, go. I, I like this. That scheme can like this. help people. That said, I do want to see the Broncos do more shotgun, more RPO. But as we have seen, when Kyle Shanahan and Mike Shanahan were in Washington, you can modify this scheme to do, do those sorts of things mm-hmm. and be effective. Mm-hmm. It, I know it didn't last long term, but there are institutional problems in Washington and there are why it didn't last long term.
0: Mace, how did this, quote-unquote, and, and I feel like when we talk about this, we almost need to put it in, in, in quotes, because this scheme is being evolved. This is not the same offense that the Broncos were running in 98. No. It, 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 it's different, whether the evolution has been good, whether it's been bad. But how did this scheme look just eight days ago in Houston? Yeah. Didn't Again. it look good? What wasn't Rich Gangrello getting praised? And people were singing from the mountaintops, saying how pe- good of
1: a job he did. Because people overreact to the moment too much. That was this. That was this scheme, though. Yes. You know, quote unquote scheme. This scheme with Kirk Cousins, Stephon Diggs, Kyle Rudolph, etc. This scheme mauled the Broncos in the second half in Minnesota for four touchdowns. That scheme looked pretty dadgum unstoppable that day did yep. it not yep and I get you know I, I've I, I've been frustrated with the scheme at times as well but I feel better about it with Drew Locke if they play to his strengths than I did with Joe Flacco running it. Right.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I agree. Next one coming in from C. Fillmore, 72 Hi again from the UK. Do you think it's harder to spot receiving targets wearing all-white uniforms and in a snowy environment? Maybe color rush, orange bottom half, or the blue alternatives would have been wise. Not an excuse, as I don't for a moment think it would have been material to the overall result, but it was something that occurred to me during the game. It was something I thought about, too. But then on the flip side... Couldn't you say, oh, it's harder for the Chiefs to spot him. Especially maybe like a Philip Lindsay in the backfield. Maybe maybe, maybe you don't see Phil because he's wearing all white and because he's smaller. And when he pops behind the line, you miss him for half a second, and that half a second is all he needs. I'm, just, I'm, I'm not saying that <laughs> is the case. I'm just saying maybe that was some
1: thought. Maybe. I don't like the all white uniforms anyway. Oh, wow. There, there's hardly any orange in them. That's true. So I y- find I find the all white uniform to be boring. Boring or crisp?
0: You say boring, I say crisp. Well, no uniform with those stupid side swooshes can be crisp. <laughs> it's just boring. It's yeah, just, you don't like those side swooshes?
1: Not at all. It, it's at the. It's kind of like the Broncos for a good chunk of this season on offense at the intersection of bad and boring. <laughs> Is that the scheme or the players? A further debate on the DMVR Broncos podcast from Orange Crush. Not too concerned with that game. As you said, let's just chuck that game aside and look forward to the Lions. Number one, Locke was obviously having issues gripping the ball, making accurate passes. Two, the offensive line literally literally looked stuck in the snow. Three, there was zero pressure on Mahomes, who had an eternity to throw the ball. Looking forward to winning the next two games and coming into the offseason with some optimism. Go Broncos.
0: Man, watching Mahomes do what he does. It, he and Russell Wilson can do this and it's the drifting back and as a coach, if he if, if if that's your quarterback, you are pulling your hair out. You're saying, "What are you doing?" And then turns out to be great plays every single time.
1: Yeah. Although that being said, Broncos credited by Pro Football Focus with 16 total pressures yesterday. And it's kind of what I'm what 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 I'm
0: talking about where The pressure's there, and it's not just he gets the ball out quick. No, he runs backwards 15 yards to get enough separation from the pressure to then throw the ball away, or he just sprints out to the left, sprints out to the right. I I wasn't actually upset with the Broncos' pressure yesterday. It's just that this guy is such a rare talent that it is so hard to get him down. And this wasn't just yesterday. The Broncos have had such a hard time getting a hand on Patrick Mahomes when they played him. Yeah, Remember, the left-handed pass. Von Miller's right there last year when the Chiefs are playing the Broncos at home. Von Miller's right there. There was nothing else Von could have done. Okay.
1: I want to dive into the psychology of RK. (laughs) Are you sure you want to do that? Yeah, because I'm actually thinking that there is a point. And I'm not talking about the scheme stuff, but the general frustration thinking you're going to be dealing with this for the next 10 years. That can get you into a very dark place mentally and emotionally. <laughs> realizing that Patrick Mahomes is going to be a nightmare for you for a very long time. By the way, w- according to ESPN QBR Two of his top three ratings this year for a single game against the Broncos. <laughs> uh, uh, uh. He didn't last very long, of course, back in October, but that day he was 10 of 11, yards, and a touchdown.
0: That'll do. What was that, QBR? 93.7. What was uh, yesterday's?
1: 90.5. So Drew Locke had eight points higher. The other one that's ago. in that range was week two against Oakland. Hmm. Of course. Yeah, Patrick Mahomes is going to be a problem for a long, long time, and that can daunt anybody.
0: It's maybe how the Kansas City Chiefs felt when they had to go up against number seven. And number 18. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. A little taste of their own medicine is what the Broncos are getting right now. Broncos
1: country, welcome to how the other half (laughs) Yep. It's not pleasant. But did you see anything that showed you that Drew Locke can go throw to throw with Patrick Mahomes? Yes, because okay. now was it in
0: the stats yesterday? Was it in one specific throw? Not, not really. But it's what we saw just eight days ago. I can't forget that. Okay, he was he was a gunslinger, and what we're going to see on Sunday now, you know, consistently go fifty touchdowns to ten interceptions. I, I think Drew's the guy. I'm not going there yet, but I have confidence that that Drew can keep up. With Mahomes when needed. That's a crazy thing to say.
1: Okay. But look what he did the week
0: before. You just laid out two of uh, Patrick Mahomes' top QBRs. Drew topped that one week ago on the road
1: in his second start. I guess, and this is just sort of a feeling thing, the one thing I did want to see that I didn't see was the notion that with Patrick Mahomes going out there while Drew Locke was on the sideline that they could go toe for toe. Toe to toe. And that he could go throw for throw. And I haven't seen that yet. And I know that's a high standard, but that's what I'm looking for. And that's what the Broncos have to have. And I'm not there yet. But do you say Drew Lock can be the guy that can go throw for throw with Mahomes? Do you need to have seen that through three games? No, but I need to see an indication that it's there, and that's why How I How was, was game two not that indication?
0: He was going up against Deshaun Watson. Yeah,
1: Houston, Houston's defense didn't show up that day. No? No? But, so you— And you, also, you, don't you... forget, you had the defensive touchdown, which took the lead from 7-14. to 14. I think in terms of the game flow of how that thing went, Atakshu pitching it to Kareem Jackson, and, ensu- and then the defense getting another stop on the subsequent series. The fact that you were up 14 nothing and you still hadn't gotten out of the script— that was everything in that game. Wow, you're
0: making Again, everyone feel bad about Drew now.
1: No, I'm just saying. This is why I'm <laughs> saying big picture, big picture. I'm not saying he's the guy or not the guy, but right. this is going even after five games. This is still going to be a canvas with a painting that needs a lot of work.
0: Yes, yeah, absolutely. There's no question, Mace. Whether it's Drew is the guy and he makes the Chiefs. A living nightmare for for everyone in Kansas City. He makes it a living nightmare for them the next 10 years. Or whether the Chiefs own the Broncos for the next 10 years, we want you guys rolling with us on thednvr.com. Make sure you join our family. This is a perfect time to get in as we have our holiday sale going on, where when you join our family, you get our membership, not just for a year, you get every single sport that we cover, including the Buffs, the Rams, the Nuggets, the Avs, the Rockies, and of course the Broncos, 365 days a year. You get to support us on this podcast, which we so much appreciate since we deliver this to you five days a week. And you get to support us because we are a locally owned business and we have a chunk in this business so we would love it if you guys were to roll with us through the highs through the lows and hopefully we're we're through much much of the lows right now and speaking of supporting local business we're super excited to tell you about denver rubber company and as you guys know It's not what you think it is. Denver Rubber Company is the most reliable local partner for your long-term projects. Since 1972, Denver Rubber Company has provided the highest quality of products from custom die-cut gaskets, molded rubber, to to custom contract manufacturing, and custom hoses. And guess what? snow is coming and you know we've already had a taste of it you'll need denver rubber company when it comes to anything snow plows drc can cut to size and pre-slot most snow plow rubber the blades can be cut to any length and slotted for mounting to meet your exact specifications we went and checked out their warehouse a few weeks back and let me tell you it was nothing short of amazing these guys have created proprietary materials that make up the inside of wind turbine blades and we even witnessed machines that can cut material that are used in bulletproof vests remember Denver Rubber Company custom makes it all and you can purchase products for yourself and of course buy bulk at a fantastic rate. They're a locally owned business with loyalty only to the family just like us here at dnvr so be sure to call them today for any snow plow needs custom gaskets hoses etc and 1-800-259-0010 or visit them at drcfirst.com slash dnvr and make sure to tell them who sent you
1: and by the way after dealing with that snow in kansas city i'm done with the winter <laughs> we haven't even reached the official first day of winter on the calendar and i'm over it mace is done with it so mace i guess you need to hit up
0: drc i to, do uh to help
1: to help you get your winter or oh, they they don't have much down in h-town houston so here's h-town bronco after sleeping on the loss these are my thoughts yeah it was snowing so what the chiefs didn't seem to have an issue i was there two weeks ago with snow everywhere in denver and they weren't prepared to play in the snow garbage they always go inside to practice when it snows <laughs> yeah saying the only thing the snow did was amplify how much a gap there is between us and the chiefs We need to bolster the defense. I don't know why everyone in Denver wants to just re-sign the whole defense. It hasn't been working the past four years. Yes, we need Simmons and Shelby, but most everyone else can walk in my opinion. I'm loyal to the Broncos, not players. Nothing matters if we can't beat the Chiefs and secure the division. All the other games we win are pointless for a season. It just keeps us average until we can dethrone the Chiefs. Will Parks had a horrible game. Kelsey owns Parks. He's his daddy. Chris Harris just isn't what he used to be. I think he's a great number two, maybe all time, but there's no question he struggles as a one. Don't lie to yourself. The TV and tape, don't lie. He gets beat a couple of times each game. It is what it is. Yeah, we have injuries, but there are still starters who are just not playing winning football. On offense, Lindsey had a horrible game. Looked like the offense was scared to play in the snow. I don't know, man. They live in Denver for crying out loud. Maybe they should start practicing in the snow instead of hiding in their indoor facility because it isn't working. Although, to me, Drew Locke looked like the best player out there on offense minus the pick, which I guess is the silver lining. I still think we found a quarterback, but until we can dethrone the Chiefs, it doesn't mean jack poop. Sorry for the long <laughs> comment. It's just annoying. This team's motto seems to be one step forward, two steps back.
0: Sounds like a nice little jig we need to do on this Monday. One step forward, two steps back. H-Town Bronco, I understand what you're saying. Mm-hmm. I understand it, and there's a lot of frustration, but... Well, you laid out a lot of dark points, but it doesn't matter. As long as your one bright point hits and Drew locks the guy, it's going to cover up a ton of blemishes. Now, I'm not saying, you know, don't help yourself in, in the other respects, but that's actually, as dark as that seemed, it's a positive outlook. If Drew hits and everything else, every other problem is true, like you said. You're still coming out two steps forward, only one step back.
1: He talked about Chris Harris, H-Town Bronco did. Yep. Um Even very good cornerbacks get beaten once a game by great receivers. I think the problem is in Broncos country we have the champ Bailey standard. Here's we have the no fly zone standard. And you're not in that day and age anymore in terms of what you have in the secondary.
0: But Mace, we like you said, we've been spoiled. Yes. And Chris Harris Junior at a time was playing to that Cham- Champ Bailey standard. And we weren't used to seeing Chris get beat ever. Right. I, didn't he go like 22, 29 games without giving up a touchdown?
1: And then A.B. got him in Pittsburgh. Yep.
0: And now he's done that multiple times this season where he's given up a touchdown. Yes, he's been beat by Tyree Kill twice. He was also beat, uh, was it by John Brown in Buffalo? And he's been beat mm-hmm. a few other times. So this, this isn't, I'm not saying Chris Harris is bad. I'm certainly not saying that. But I think this is an important season to check where he is and say, is he a true number one cornerback that you want to pay top money to because that's what he's going to want? Or do you look and say, well, he's lost a step or his game has fallen off in some respect because he did play to that level. Here's he why did he, play to a level. Here's why I don't
1: level. expect he'll get the money from the Broncos. There are enough people in that building who remember Champ Bailey toward the end. Right. When he was, was great, human. But how was that? Right. That playoff game against Baltimore, for example. Yep. For a while with Champ Bailey, his reputation was such that teams stayed away from him. An exception in 2012, for example, was the Bengals. He went against A.J. Green, and Andy Dalton said, screw it, we're still throwing to mm-hmm, A.J. Green. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Green had a touchdown, Champ had a pick. It was a stalemate. But it was actually from that touchdown and some of the catches that A.J. Green had in that game that John Harbaugh, making the game plan for the postseason, thought, hmm, let's pick at Champ Bailey a little bit. Other teams aren't. We're going to try. We're going to test.
0: And now teams aren't afraid to go to Chris. Uh Uh-huh.
1: Interesting. That's the change. And, that tells you and a lot. You're going to have to deal with something different uh, going forward. Miller Life 58. I really don't understand how anyone can view this as a bad game for Locke. If you would have said beforehand the Broncos would fall behind by multiple scores early, would have no running game, offensive line would play terrible, receivers have a lot of drops, and the weather is horrible, you would not expect any QB, let alone a rookie, to thrive in that situation. And given all that, I honestly think we would look back at at his game completely differently if he didn't throw that one bonehead pick. Imagine if he doesn't throw that pick and Sutton comes down with that dime on that fade route. Completely different narrative. Thank you, Ryan and Zach, for keeping Broncos country level-headed. R-E-L-A-X.
0: Relax, relax, and the, I don't and that's know if R.K. Reason. is relaxed about <laughs> the scheme though. He's certainly not relaxing about the scheme. And, mace you did a good job of helping us relax about the scheme today, potentially. And uh, that's also your that's been your perspective with Drew this whole time is, relax through the highs and the lows. I pre-
1: I prefer to ride the highs and relax on the lows. I think the older <laughs> you get, the more you want to kind of. Just sail on a smooth ocean because you rather know, than deal with choppy seas. Because you know after the high
0: highs, there's always, you come crashing down.
1: As Homer Simpson once said, the dizzying highs, the terrifying lows... The creamy middles. <laughs> You're right. I want the creamy, creamy, creamy middle. middles.
0: <laughs> <laughs> creamy middle. Yeah, that sounds all right. World of Sucks says, I didn't get to watch a whole lot of this one, so my observations might be off base. It seemed to me that Reed had some sort of snow game playbook while Skings didn't adapt to the weather much. The Chiefs receivers were running easy, straightforward, and forcing the defensive backs to be the ones changing directions. Our receivers were being asked to change directions on the bad field. Am I crazy here, or is there something to this
1: well there there were changes of direction for the Chiefs of course you look at Tyreek Hill's touchdown for example makes the cut makes the cut inside and then kind of does a little out and up and heads for the pylon boy
0: really quick on, on that what happened to Justin Sim it looked like on TV he was going half speed to, to Tyreek Hill and it wasn't because Tyreek Hill was just that fast it just looked like Maybe Justin thought his responsibility was more to the right side than the left, or or he was just really slow and read, or he couldn't get his feet right in the snow. What was
1: interesting also pre snap, you see Chris waving his arm, and I asked him after the game, was there something going on? And he said he really couldn't remember like what was happening like at mm. that moment, and you know why he why he waved his arm. So there wasn't anything to that, but it was interesting that he was clearly signaling for something, right? thought maybe that some help was going to be there. Chris Chris did take responsibility for it and said it was on him. Yep. When asked about after the game.
0: So. Didn't he say he was also Tyreek's the toughest receiver to guard? Yes, he did.
1: <laughs> That's two touchdowns for Tyreek Hill against Chris harris Jr. this year.
0: Yep. Yep, not afraid to throw to him. Yep,
1: true. Andrew O, guys, I could not agree more with you about not overreacting to this loss. For now, Drew Locke is still on pace to be the next Elway, as Mace pointed out in his tweet yesterday. Actually, I didn't say that. (laughs) I made a point of saying it doesn't mean he's going to become Elway, but I did say that you can have a bad game in Kansas City in adverse conditions after you played well the weeks before. This happens.
0: Yeah. John Elway was also 2-1-1 in his first three games as a rookie. It's true. So, nothing to freak out about.
1: I also think Von Miller was just emotional after a terrible loss. Though it did make me think about Von's future in Denver. What do you think we could get if we trade Von Miller next year with two years remaining on his contract? Would any team be willing to give up a day one pick for an expensive and aging Von Miller? Personally, I would love to see Von win another Super Bowl, even if it isn't in orange and blue. Sad to see his prime wasted like it has been
0: maybe you can get a very late round first.
1: And the market of teams that would be going after Von Miller would be the teams picking at the end of round 1.
0: Right, exactly. So I could see that happening, but I mean the days of two f- two ones are done. Yeah. Done. So they I mean you'd have to pick up the the team option on his contract and trade him in the offseason.
1: Would you trade Von Miller?
0: Yeah. Here's the here's the thing. I think Vic Fangio would I think mm. if John said, "We've got a one coming in from Seattle." What do you think? I think Vic would say, "John, look what I've done with this defense without Bradley Chubb. Ain't so getting Chubb back, right? So you get Ch- So it's a, it's a flip. And I think Vic would say that Chubb is more valuable and is going to be more impactful. And look what I did with uh, Jer- Jeremiah Atachu uh, with." With Malik Reed, look what I did with these guys. Just give me someone in the third round, and I'll make it. I'll make it fine.
1: So okay, fine. Let me give you a hypothetical. Late first round pick. So basically, you're talking about Von Miller for Towerbiadish. Hmm.
0: I have more confidence.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You do that. Yeah, because— And I love Biotish, but I am not there yet for making that deal. And I I put that out there because we've talked a lot about him because he's a plug-and-play player at not a core position, but center is a very important position for a young quarterback like Drew Locke in terms of helping him.
0: And we've seen that, at least with Vic— It's easier for Vic to find outside linebackers that are passable than this entire Broncos organization to find anything on the offensive line. Jeremiah
1: Takshu has actually been a good player. Yeah, so
0: then you you get in the first round, you get two offensive linemen to go along with Dalton Reisner, and then maybe even get an offensive lineman. In the second round, you give Mike Munchak all of this talented mold that he gets to just mold into whatever he wants. And, Mace, on top of this... You open up tons of money, and now you have—you know—I I don't know exactly what the number would be with trading him, but let's say you open up at least fifteen million
1: dollars in cap space. Well, go get yourself a good outside linebacker, then. That'll get you a darn good player. Talented mold—is that like the mold that sometimes settles in your walls and whatnot, or mold on your bread? <laughs> well, hopefully, not that type of mold. Moldy, some Moldy? clay. We get something to eat, <laughs> as Homer Simpson would say. Dylan C. West, three. The breaks are pumped on Drew, but only because he had sky-high expectations. He was the bright spot on the day for sure, which says a lot about how rough this game was and the type of guy he is. Defense is an offseason or two away, same as the offense. Ben Albright made a great point after the game, basically saying protecting your QB isn't everything. It's the only thing. Until that happens here, I expect more of the same. Thanks for the content, fellas. Remember with the defense with Vic Fangio, He, in Chicago, made it passable in year one, was a top-10 D, kind of like this defense is. There are a lot of parallels between the 2015 Bears defense and the 2019 Broncos, but kept adding personnel and shifting it. It wasn't until that third, fourth season that it really took on the form that we saw and that helped Vic Fangio get the job.
0: Right, exactly, and in terms of protecting your quarterback, you got to do it. That's why first three picks in this draft – I'm okay with doing that. You already used the second last year and you got a darn good player in Dalton Reisner. So just continue to add that. Next one coming in from Spacebar. Hey DNVR fam. I'm looking to offload some Broncos line tickets I have for this weekend. Unfortunately, due to some time extensions, I'm stuck in Cleveland after my wife's surgery. Due to recovery time, I will not be able to fly to Denver for the game. We are not leaving Cleveland until Christmas Eve so far. Oh, Spacebar, I hope your wife's doing okay. Yes. Uh, we're, we're sending our best your way. He continues, and says, So, if there's anyone looking to purchase some tickets for the game, I have five seats in the Nosebleed section, section 521, row 28, seats 1-5. to 5. I love being high in the stands. Great crowds, usually, and I think the view is better. That's true, you get a better perspective. I bought these tickets via Ticketmaster, so I have the option of transferring these tickets to someone via email or text. I paid $375 for all of the tickets, and I would like to make that back. However, I'm willing to work with someone on a deal, especially if all five are bought. Thanks to the DNVR crew for giving me the permission to ask on this podcast. If all works out, I'm going to try and make the Broncos Raiders game. Hopefully I will finally be able to meet up with some DNVR fam after these last few years of talking and listening, Broncos. Go Broncos of course, coming in from an OG space bar. He says, you can contact me. and leaves his email there. I unfortunately, oh, it's scorpion underscore. Sorry, it's uh, it's a little difficult to read. Scorpio underscore seven. Scorpion, that's a- like the, oh, a-
1: like the uh,
0: right. animal. Scorpion underscore seven. That's spelled out S-E-V-E-N at hotmail.com, or you can find that. He left that on a comment
1: there. And space bar reminds you and remind everybody, lot N, our tailgate with the sons of Mile High, will be there both before the Lions game and before the Raiders game in week 17. Yes. The Broncos may have nine losses. The tailgate is undefeated. <laughs> yes. Make the Broncos great again. Hey, guys, okay, we can all agree that was a terrible game. But I told my father in law before the game started this was the first game against the Chiefs in four years that I felt like there was a chance we could win. What's the difference? Locke. He had a terrible second quarter, and that pick was really bad in that situation. But I do feel like we have a guy that truly gives us a chance, whereas the rest of the recent QBs would rely on the defense. Mace may not be sold on the guy yet, but he's by far the best answer we've had at QB since Manning. Yes, that was brutal, but this performance did not change how I feel about number three. One thing I'll ask you, make the Broncos great again. Did you not think they had a chance back in Week 12, 2016, 7-3, coming off a bye? I did. I I thought they would win that game. Yep. With Trev? Yeah, I would say I thought they had a chance. Then, I thought they had a chance in Week 17 of the 2017 season because it was a throwaway game for the Chiefs.
0: Going up against first-time starter Patrick Mahomes. Patrick
1: Mahomes against... (laughs) Uh, Paxton. Paxton Lynch. (laughs) And I thought they had a chance on Monday Night Football in 2018. Didn't they come up close? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Leading until leading until the very end. As bad as
0: last year was, I guess you got to give credit to to Vic Fangio and company, or Vance Joseph and company. They played the Chiefs in both games much better. Yeah. than this team has played. If the there is this regression
1: year. this year, and how far you have to go, it shows in two Chiefs games this year, minus forty four is the combined margin. The You're worst, losing by 22 a game. The worst margin for the Broncos against the Chiefs in a season series since 1968.
0: Before the Broncos were even in the NFL. Uh-huh. Oh, boy, that's bad.
1: Before the Chiefs won their only Super Bowl. Long. Oh, we, we joke about wow. that. And that was one year earlier. <laughs> count Zinger. Locker. I was digging deep into the coffers to buy a really awesome custom rubber casket from Denver Rubber Company that matches the exact specifications <laughs> of our running game. When behold, my phone rang and the salesman informed me they would need to cancel my order. Quote, the casket would be far too boring, uncomplex, powerless, and just plain flaccid. Unquote, they said. <laughs> Therefore, I'm redistributing these funds in order to purchase skanks a gift basket from the green source that would surely help his run play calling be a bit more creative right love the count
0: yeah boy the like i said the the run game has disappeared recently Mm -hmm. disappeared And, and i think it's on everyone it's on the play caller it's on Uh, the, the execution of the offensive line and the running backs next one coming in from Oklahoma Bronco 58 it's 10 18 on a Monday morning and the receivers are still trying to get separation on their routes but seriously we need more playmakers of the wide receiver position Deshaun Hamilton and Tim Patrick do not scare opposing defenses that was pretty obvious yesterday also one thing I've noticed about Phil that is kind of troubling is that he's really struggled to catch the ball out of the backfield in a couple games it seems like the last few games he's clanked several that hit him right in the hands Phil Phil defines isn't the problem, but I'm just wondering if... If us not getting the running game going has bled over to other areas of his game. Losing Janel really hurt our rushing attack. Offensive line got exposed as well, albeit they're not healthy. However, it is not all doom and gloom in Broncos country. We've got Drew, who I'm confident will bounce back next week with this draft that is deep at receiver and offensive line. We can address that and hopefully hit on some good players. Building around lock should be the team's focus going forward. And if we continue drafting like we have the last two years, there's no doubt that we should be vying for a playoff spot this time next year.
1: I'm glad you pointed out there was separation or the lack thereof from the receivers. That's a problem, yeah. and that's why you need more speed there, yep. more speed, more quickness.
0: Yep, that, that makes the defense back up. It helps mm-hmm. no fan get open, and it also helps those guys get yep. open.
1: The Manning-faced God. Guys, the Broncos let down Drew Locke today. Vaughn came out and said it himself, and he's 100% right. No one showed up to help out Drew. The O-line played horrendous, constantly stopping important drives due to stupid penalties. The receivers dropped catches that should have been caught, especially the two big ones by Sutton. One should have been a touchdown, and the defense was MIA today. I'm surprised Kelsey didn't break the tight end receiving record that Kittle set on us last year in San Francisco. <laughs> Ultimately, one thing was consistent, and that's Drew Locke's play. Drew was playing on the road in one of the toughest stadiums in the NFL in a damn blizzard, which was the worst conditions he's played in, and considering his team didn't show up, Drew played with confidence and with no hesitation. He didn't lose faith in himself or his teammates. He kept going out there and play like the true gunslinger that he is. I'll take that in his third start. People who are losing faith in the Broncos or Drew need to jump off the bandwagon now. As a lifelong Broncos fan, I'll say, I believe in Drew as our future QB and in the direction this team is heading in. Thanks, guys.
0: I think it's very well said. Yeah. Very well said from yesterday's game and not overreacting to it at all.
1: Very fair assessment, I would and say.
0: Final one coming in from Pismo Beach Broncos 07. Great example here of that reality check I was worried about. This game, unfortunately, was a painful reminder of where this team actually is. After seeing this loss to a much better team, I don't know how anyone could say that we are not short of at least one playmate wide receiver. Huge need, especially if we want Locke to succeed. Chiefs were way better than us in depth. In that department, cornerback might be the team's biggest area of need, not to mention another linebacker. Offensive line, definitely horrible on both ends. Skanks, come on, man. Every team knows that bootleg is coming from a mile away. Please let us get an offensive coordinator or have Skanks wake up and spread this offense out to maximize Locke's potential. Wide receiver, right tackle, left tackle, center, cornerback, inside linebacker, long list of needs, but I think this game made these very apparent. And in terms of the bootleg I remember Ryan and I having conversations in training camp about how Ryan said, ah, it's unfair, though. The defense knows the bootleg's coming, and that's why they're all over Joe Flacco, because they see it every day. They know it's coming. And I said, you think defensive coordinators who spend 100-plus hours preparing for this Broncos team aren't going to know the bootleg's coming? No, they're going to prepare the exact same way that that the Broncos defense, that Vaughn's holding back. And I think you're seeing it now. It's just it's more creative. It doesn't mean you don't have to have or you can't have the bootlegs. But, Mace, do bootlegs work when you drop back 42 times and you rush the ball like 16 or 18 times? They
1: don't work without the threat of the run, right? Period. And there's been no threat of the run the last four weeks. So, and and you have to have the run established through conventional means, as in under center eye formation, to get opponents to bite on the bootleg and the play fake action play fake part of the bootleg, and right now they're not doing that. So one thing I would rather see, I would rather see the play action happen out of the pistol or out of the shotgun, yep. some RPO-type stuff, and then have Drew move laterally, keeping his eyes downfield, rather than the elongated part of it where you turn your back to what's going on downfield and then get set up. I know that's a traditional part of this, but that's the aspect of the scheme that I think is actually passe and doesn't fit what you have talent-wise. Right. So you need to get away from that.
0: Mace, I said it, and then you just put it exactly how it should look. Creativity. That's creativity is doing the bootleg and getting your quarterback on the move in an untraditional way. That's what they need to do pistol, shotgun. You don't have to go away from these things. Every great offense incorporates something from this scheme, but it's just it's about being willing to look outside of this scheme. Ryan wants to completely get rid of it. Hey, I'm fine with that. But the reality is we're stuck with this in Denver. So just go
1: outside of the walls
0: and bring in a lot of things to this. Scheme.
1: We've seen modified versions of this scheme work very well in recent years. Yeah. So that's what I'm asking for. I know they're not going to get away from the 11-word play calls in the huddle. Unfortunately. Yeah. (laughs) But at least let's get this thing modified to where it fits the talent that you have better and gives Drew Locke a better shot.
0: I completely agree. Well, Mace, welcome home. Thank you. It was was fun. You put a smile on my face and... Since I check out Green Mountain Dental, that smile has been looking pretty good. And make sure you guys check out Green Mountain Dental to get those pearly whites nice and white. And they are giving away a free sonic air when you schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam. That's right. You simply have to take care of your teeth for Green Mountain Dental Group to hand over a free Sonicare. So check them out online or call them at 303-988-0711 to schedule your appointment today. That's Green Mountain Dental Group. Mace, welcome home the final road trip of the Broncos regular season. Although as we were talking about right before the podcast, the off season travel starts pretty much right as the season ends. Yeah.
1: Regular season, because it's over, no playoffs, yep. they lost, they're done. The season ends in December, but the off season could be just as important as the regular season.
0: And and I've thought this even before we had Mace, but now it's on steroids with Mace on board. We are going to have the best off season coverage by far. So make sure you're rolling with us. Just because the season's over does not mean that we're over. No, we're just getting started to find out exactly how and what path the Broncos are going to take to get back to double-digit wins, to get in the playoffs where they will not be this year as that became official yesterday. So, Mace, welcome home. Thanks for rolling with us today. Thank you all so much. For Andrew Mace and I'm Zach Stevens. Have a great start to your week.